just lift up your hands to the Lord and just begin to bless him. Just begin to bless him. He's faithful. He's faithful. For being so kind to us. What a good God you are. Thank you. In Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Father, we ask that this morning you enlighten us. Of understanding, flood our hearts with the revelation knowledge of your Son Jesus. Teach us your ways, and let us know that one man called Jesus walk like him, talk like him. become the very expression of his being. We give you glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Isaac Lafpapo Ministry, we love in Great City Church. Present unveiling Christ with Prophet Isaac Lafpapo on the seventh of March.
Hallelujah. All right, so let's see if I can do some quick teaching um, on the continuation of our series. The 10 pillars of a disciple's growth. I strongly believe that this series is going to change a whole generation. After listening to this teaching, I always advise that you go back to these tips again and listen to them. Because a lot about your Christian life depends on this teaching. We've been looking at the 10 pillars of a disciple's growth and we said that these pillars form a base a structure upon which the believer's faith and growth hinges we don't just grow as Christians growth as a believer is not automatic the fact that you are a Christian does not mean that you find yourself growing spiritually There are things that you need to do. Work on that. There are things that you need to do that will contribute on growth because the growth Christian transcends your spiritual life. It affects you all around. Let's look at the scripture in First Timothy chapter number 4. Let's see uh, the verse 7. Now look at that. He says, but refuse profane and old wives' fables and exercise thyself rather unto godliness. So please note that down. Becoming godly is an exercise. So your godliness is actually your spiritual strength. When a man goes to the gym to physically exercise himself, he becomes strong to be able to do things that the ordinary person who does not go to the gym cannot do. He's able to lift things. He's able to, to make things happen. Now the Bible is saying that our exercise is unto godliness. Our exercise is unto Christ-like character. It is to become Christ-like. And this thing does not just happen because you are a Christian. It's an exercise. So the Bible instructs us to exercise ourselves rather unto what? Godliness. Now look what he says in the next verse. This will bless you. He says for bodily exercise, profit a little. That means if you exercise yourself physically, there is profit in it. But the Bible says it is little. Because, let's just move on. Stay on the point. So he says, but godliness. So what he's saying is that choosing to exercise yourself unto godliness, he says, is profitable unto how many things? Unto all things. So listen, your, your Christian life is an advantage. It's a profit. It's profitable unto all things having a promise of the life that now is 
and of the life that is to come this is amazing what the bible is saying is that christ likeness or exercising yourself unto godliness is a spiritual exercise that will profit you or benefit you both in this life and in eternity now that's incredible meaning any effort you put in place to develop yourself to become more like jesus christ is an effort that will reward you in time and eternity this is amazing meaning that godliness will profit you in marriage godliness will profit you in business godliness will profit you in your education i've seen people who see examination questions before it comes in their uh, before they go and write those papers how did that happen there are people who love to spend time in prayer so the benefit of godliness is is just far outweighing the normal life i always encourage christians never live a normal christian life don't be normal hallelujah tabula pila is it uh, d or e of of the obedience is the fruit of faith and the purest evidence of what a man truly believes christianity without an accompanying obedience is fake i told you that we believe jesus christ for him to become our savior but we obey him by submitting to his lordship so in faith christ is our savior in obedience you experience his lordship so jesus is both lord and savior if he's only savior in your life and not yet lord lord means master it means he has the final say in your life it means he rules the affairs of your heart if jesus is not fully in charge when he calls the shots he tells you when to respond he tells you how to behave he rebukes you when you're doing the wrong thing if jesus is not yet lord over the activity of your life you are living a fake life and that is true and number four we said the believer has three enemies he will constantly fight these things must guard you you have three enemies the fact that you are saved set free from sin um, forgiven eternally does not mean all is free if we don't teach this a lot of Christians will become casualties because there are people especially those who understand more of the grace of god who say okay because we are free freedom must come we just have to rest in what jesus christ has done if you have been following our teaching we have explained that rest in christ is only attributed to what salvation if you want to understand rest it's in salvation we did not have to do anything to be saved we had to believe jesus christ and we rested in the reality of salvation for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believed in him should not perish but have everlasting life in Hebrews chapter 4 the Bible says we who have believed have come to rest what rest is that? the rest of salvation but Christian living of a Christian life is, is not a life of rest it's a wrestle for we wrestle not against flesh and blood but against principalities, powers that means there are still demonic powers that are influencing Christians today the Bible calls the enemy our adversary who is roaming to and fro like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. So, though you are saved in Jesus Christ, you are still being looked for. The enemy is waiting for an opportune, curious moment where he can sift you as wheat. 
So we have three enemies and every Christian must know these three enemies. Because if you don't know who your enemy is, you will stand aloof and everything is going to come against you. So we said the first enemy, unfortunately, is an enemy that lives within you. It is called the flesh. The flesh is the old Adamic nature that is still resident in the members of your body that works through lusts and desires. The flesh is the part of you that opposes the things of God. Anytime you realize there is something within you that begins to oppose every activity that should go towards God's glory, that thing that opposes you is called the flesh. Anything that resists you from becoming an instrument of blessing to God's kingdom, that thing is called the flesh. If you begin to feel lazy in prayer, that thing is called flesh. If there are passions and desires that are lustful inside, it's called the flesh. Retaliation, unforgiveness, those things that are lacking within you, it's called the flesh. It's an enemy. If a Christian does not know this and he submits or yields to this flesh, he, he will be brought to square zero. He will become small in his Christian life. So you have an enemy, it's called the flesh. And the Bible tells us not to make provision for the flesh in Romans chapter 13. Praise God. We don't make provision for the flesh. We modify the deeds of the body. That's what the Bible teaches us. If through the spirit you modify the deeds of the body, it says, thou shalt live. The second enemy is called the devil. In James 4, we are told he's, a, he's an adversary. He's an adversary. He's an enemy. So the devil is not happy about you. He wants to destroy you. He wants to mock God that is this the one you have, you have saved. I have, I have successfully put him back into smoking. I have successfully put him back into masturbation. I have successfully put him back into what he's doing. You call this your son. Look at him. That's what the devil wants to do. And listen, it will not take God alone for you to bring glory to him. No, it will take you and God working corporately to make that happen. And the reason why these three things I'm just mentioning are enemies is because when you were without Jesus Christ, they were not your enemies. If the flesh told you to steal something that does not belong to you, because you were not born again, there was something that did not restrain you. You did not have a restraining force inside you. So what you thought of and what you felt like doing was what you did. But now that you are born again, the Holy Ghost comes to live in you and then you have a newly recreated spirit. So now your, your spiritual system now begins to become incompatible with that thing called flesh. So now it becomes a battle. The flesh is not happy that you are trying to do the will of God because all along in your life, you have been doing its will. You lie and nothing is wrong with it. You, you use abusive words and you didn't feel anything. Now, there's going to be a reaction. Galatians 5, the verse 17. You're going to see that the, now there's going to be a war because a new man has taken over and a new spirit has entered inside you. So there's going to be a conflict. 
That's why the flesh is an enemy. So look, he says, for the flesh lasted. Give that to me in NLT version for you to see. He says in NLT, he says, for the sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just opposite of what the spirit wants. So now there are two enemies, the flesh and the Holy Spirit. The Holy Ghost wants you to do the will of God. The flesh wants you to do its will. So these are two conflicting forces who are at work in you and one must win every single time. He says, and the spirit gives us desires that are, look, 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 that are what? Opposite of what the sinful nature desires. He says, these two are contrary. He says, these two are forces. These two forces are what? Constantly fighting each other. So you are not free to carry out your what? Your good intentions. So the devil is out there looking for you. Why? Because you were once in his kingdom. When you believed in Jesus Christ, the Bible says, who has delivered us from the kingdom of darkness and has what? Translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. In Colossians 1.13, the Bible confirms that we have been delivered, number one, and we have been transferred. It's one thing to be delivered. It's one thing to be transferred. If you were tied in an evil forest and I come there to deliver you by breaking off your chains, I have delivered you. But you are still in the evil kingdom. If I remove you from that evil kingdom or that evil forest and I bring you to a city, I have not only delivered you, I have transferred you. And that is what we experience in Jesus. We are not only delivered from the kingdom of darkness, we have been transferred into the kingdom of his dear son. So once you were successfully transferred into a new terrain called Christ or in him, there is going to be war because the devil is not happy that you are no more in his kingdom. Hell has been depopulated. Is someone getting this? So the devil is going to come back at you. He's going to come hard. He's going to discern and find out some of the things that you were doing before you got born again. Then he will try to resurrect them back again. That's why the devil is an enemy. And the third enemy is called the world. You've got to understand that the world is not a friend. In 1 John chapter 2 verse 15, the Bible tells us not to love the world. The word love there means to be fond of None of the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Are you seeing that? So the love of the, of the world kills the love of the Father. Please write that down. The love of the world kills the love of the Father inside you. The love of the world kills the love of the Father. If you're a Christian who has just begun to notice that your love for God is waning and fading, it's simply because there is something about the world that you are clinging onto which is fighting back heavily against you. So you have three enemies you got to fight daily. The fifth point, the fifth fact you got to put down. We said that you have been delivered from sin's power but not from sin's presence in your flesh very important reality you have been what delivered from what 
sin's power to dominate you to make you do what you don't want to do you have been delivered from that power but you have not been delivered from what sin's presence in your flesh you have also not been delivered from temptation if you didn't write it last week write it down you have also not been delivered from temptation and then you have also not been delivered from sin's pollution in your soul hmm. is this teaching helping somebody so being born again is not freedom from sin's ability to pollute your soul if not the bible wouldn't have told us to renew our minds so that we can save the soul please are you following this so you can be born again and fall into temptation in fact heavy ones so this is a fact that must register you can be born again and still have temptations in fact those who are not born again don't have temptations they are living their life the reason why you have temptation is because you are what you are born again number six the sixth fact the seed fact though your sins are forgiven still sin still has very serious consequences i explained that last week let me do that quickly and go to today's message quickly number seven i think that was the last point under the facts i wanted you to note now this is a very important fact that you need to arm yourself or guard yourself with are you ready for this are you sure you shall glory now forgiveness of sins and repentance from sin are not the same that's the fact this will bless someone so greatly and this is where the confusion is forgiveness of sins and repentance from sin are not the same now let me explain forgiveness of sins has been accomplished by Christ Colossians chapter 2 the verse 13 look at that for yourself anytime I teach I want to quote scripture for you to see so you can't doubt God's word he says and you being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh has he quickened together with him having what? forgiving you how many of your trespasses all your trespasses so all of the believers seeing has been forgiven Colossians 3 13 3.13. now look he says forbearing one another and forgiving one another if any man has a quarrel against any even as Christ did what forgave now what tense is that past tense even as Christ did what forgave you so what so do you now before Jesus died he said forgive so that you'll be forgiven after Jesus died he now says forgive because you have forgiven he takes truth higher now 
so forgiveness of sins has been accomplished by Jesus Christ guess what repentance from sin must be accomplished by you Are you following this thing? Can we proceed? Good. So, you can add this to it. God does the forgiving. You do the repenting. God does the forgiving. You do the repenting. We can feed you with some more. You want some more food? Alright. One is a gift. So, forgiveness is a gift repentance is a response so that the gift is not taken for granted forgiveness of sin is a gift repentance from sin is a response to that gift so that that gift is not taken for granted so a man truly shows honor regard and high respect for God's forgiveness by repenting if a Christian does not repent he's saying God what you have done for me is useless that's a serious matter you insult Jesus Christ now what is repentance Many don't understand repentance. Because many people think, first of all, repentance is you stopping bad and doing good. That's not first of all repentance. And I will shock you today. Repentance is not feeling bad. Though you may feel bad in the process of repentance. This will shock you. Repentance don't feel bad because there are people who are, who feel bad and still do bad. Oh, I'm telling you, they can they can weep. <laughs> I don't like. I, do. I feel so bad. <laughs> Two days time. So that repentance is not feeling bad. Arm robbers sometimes feel bad when they rob people. You'll be shocked. B. Repentance is not the desire to stop. You know? So people think that the desire to stop something is repentance. That's not repentance. Is the desire to brush brushing? Is the desire to eat eating? Is the desire to sleep sleeping? Is the desire to to marry marrying? If not, we all desire for so many things that are not happening. So the desire to stop something bad you are doing is not repentance. The desire to stop is good, but it is not repentance. Are you getting this thing? Now, next, uh, repentance is not reducing the sin you are into. 
So someone says, okay, man of God, I've been masturbating three times a day, but by the grace of God, it is once a day. You have not repented. I've been stealing from the office. I've been stealing 2K every day, but now, man of God, is now 500 Ghana cities. That's not repentance. D. Repentance is not crying. I know this is going to shock many of you. There are professional mourners, criers, who can weep for awards. Repentance is not regret. Let me just unskin some of these things so that the next time you do any of these things, you know that you have only begun the process. You have not started yet. Unfortunately, we have not understood repentance because our understanding of repentance is that I just change from bad and I start doing good. With which power? How are you doing that? The, the, the truth is that you can't change from bad to good without God's power. You can't change from bad to good without the Holy Spirit. That's why we've seen many Christians who have always, first of all, been trying instead of first of all, trusting. Listen, it takes grace to stop an addiction. I know people who, who, are, who are outwardly spiritual. Huh. They'll shock you. But they are badly with serious things. Serious matters. So some people feel so embarrassed as it stands now because when someone hears what they are doing, that person will be highly disappointed because he is known to be spiritual. So that person is like, you know, you know, anybody that says that, ah, how can me, a prayer warrior, fall into this sin? You are a proud man. Because you are thinking that it's your ability to pray that keeps you holy. That's lies. So that man says, ah what will people say of me when they hear this thing you are a proud man so your focus is so much on your spirituality that you have you have forgotten about the God that is making you spiritual so listen I have learned not to trust in my prayer life I have learned not to trust in my fasting because I've seen people who fast and are battling you don't get this thing so what is repentance if you check the Greek word for repentance is metanoia spell it anyhow you hear it the Greek word is metanoia the word metanoia is from two Greek words meta and nuos 
you've heard of metaphysics right meta means to change nuance is the greek word for the mind of thinking so the one repent means change of mind so you cannot change an attitude or character until you have changed your mind about it with god's word until your mind is changed or convinced in the word of god about a habit you are not ready for change the one of god must confront your thinking pathing about that particular thing before you can ever trust god to live above it so repentance is for change of mind then it leads to change of direction because your your mindset has changed about it through god's word now you change your direction because of the understanding you have gained please are you following this thing listen it takes work to repent i'm teaching good here it takes drastic work to repent i know a man who was battling with a problem and and to break out from that problem he reported it to somebody he was very shy of so that it will look as an embarrassment do you know that sometimes you have to embarrass sin for sin to titty from your face ah you don't know this thing my mother was doing it years ago i didn't understand when you do something wrong my mother will she will insult that particular practice she will, she will give it to you hi not me and surprisingly it worked because something how do i explain this thing listen it takes work to repent oh. it takes work to repent Sometimes you have to report yourself to somebody you are embarrassed of. Not, I'm not talking of a church member. The Bible says confess your faults to one another, but not everybody another. Because you may land in trouble. The next time you are passing in that same environment, three people say, hmm, hi. <laughs> Spiritual people, people who can pray, and pray for you you report yourself say papa huh, i am messing up myself i say eh, what are you messing say papa i don't know some strong last has held on my waist papa ah uh, you don't know this thing you don't know this thing as you are reporting you are being delivered you are being washed i'm telling you so there are works that precedes repentance so you have to delete that thing that's on the phone you have to delete it you have to delete it 
you have to cry to God. Listen, lie down, cry. Say, God, I don't like this thing. Help me. I need your power. As I go to your word, teach me. What is your word saying about this thing? Look for audio teachings that deal with that matter. Pray about it. Fast about it. There are works that brings repentance. I wish I could go more into this, but I don't have time. All right, because of our time, let's quickly move to why holiness? Why? Why holiness? Why must the Christian be holy in conduct? This is a blessed teaching. Because walking in holiness is a big deal. And can you imagine that walking in holiness and Christ likeness is a pillar? It's a pillar of your Christian growth. So, number one, why holiness? Why is holiness necessary? Number one, because it is a command from God. First Peter chapter 1, the verse 14 to 16. Give it that to me in the NLT version. First Peter chapter 1, the verse 14 to 16. Now look, look, he says, You must live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better then. So the Bible is saying that when you were formerly in the world, there are things that you are doing that we could not say much about it because you were ignorant. But now that you are in Jesus Christ, he's saying that you should know better. Now look at the next verse. He says, but now you must be holy in everything you you do just as God who chose you is is holy give that to me in message translation look as obedient children let yourselves be pulled into a way of life shaped by God's life a life energetic and blessing with holiness now look at the verse 16 God said I am holy you be holy anytime God tells the Christian to do something it means he has given him what it takes to do it to say I can't do it I can't stop it is an insult to God's integrity I'm teaching good here when God says you be holy in your conduct that means he has given you what it takes are you here Quickly, number two. Second reason for holiness. It is our nature. Therefore, leaving it should not be a big deal. Second, second reason why we must be holy in our conduct. Because it's our nature. And therefore, leaving it shouldn't be a big deal. Mm. So God hasn't asked much from you if he tells you to be holy. He hasn't demanded much because he has put inside you so much investment remember as part of the foundation we laid about holiness i told you the christian is not one who is trying to be holy because by scripture you have been made holy by the finished work of jesus so today if you are living a holy life it's not something you glory in you are actually expressing your true identity in jesus christ is someone getting this thing so we said the reason for holiness number two is that it is our nature therefore leaving it should not be what a big deal if you have a dna of your father do you have to struggle to behave like a father no quickly number three 
Holiness is necessary because that is how we are identified as children of God. Holiness is necessary because this is how we are identified as the children of God. You'll be amazed to know that it is in walking a holy life that proves who is in charge of your life. Because anytime you walk in holiness, there's a way you don't behave. You want to, but you, you can't. And you won't. It is proving something that someone else is in charge of your life. So you can't do what you want to do. Follow this. Let's get into scripture. It is only children of God who live holy. First John chapter 2 the verse 5. Give that to me in KJV. I want you to look at scripture for yourself. We are going into scriptures. Look, he says, but whosoever keepeth his word, in him verily is the love of God, what? Perfected. Hereby we know that we are in him. Number two. Next verse. The verse five. He that said, he abideth in him, ought to himself, what? Also walk even as he walked. So if you claim you are in Christ Jesus, he's saying you are to walk like Christ Jesus. And how do we prove that? By walking in holiness. Now, look at the verse 29. Look, you can write that scripture down. When you go home, we'll read it. He says, if you know that he is righteous, you know also that everyone that doeth righteousness is born of God. So how do I know that someone is a child of God? It's not by him telling me he's a Christian. Go back home and go and read this thing meditatively. He says, if we know that he's righteous, you also know that everyone that doeth righteousness, there is only a gift of righteousness. He says that man is born of him. So we said the third point is that that is how we are identified as children of God. If you are admitted or enrolled in a, in a school, like a JSS school, a senior high school or something, there is a uniform they wear. And it is by looking at their uniform that you are able to identify the school that they belong to. We are children of God. But we need to understand that there is a uniform. That uniform is holiness. That's how we identify that you are in heaven's university. I'm teaching good here. You don't like my teaching, right? Now, look at a very important verse in 1 John chapter 3 from the verse 3 to 10. That verse is one of my favorite verses. I love it so much because it challenges my spirit. Now look, he says, Every man that has this hope in him purifieth himself. In fact, come to the verse 2 so they understand what we are doing here. Look, he says, Beloved, now are we the sons of God. So he has confirmed that you are now the son of God because you believe Jesus. And it doeth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. So this is the hope of the believer that when Jesus Christ appears, we will look like him. Look at the verse 3. 
now he says every man that has this hope what is the hope that jesus christ is coming back to change our vile bodies to be conformed to his glorified body he says that man does what purified himself i thought we have been sanctified by the blood of jesus so we need to understand the finished work of jesus and the ongoing work of jesus in the finished work of jesus it is what christ did for us without us in the ongoing work of jesus it is what currently jesus is doing in us through the holy spirit and our cooperation with him so he's saying he that has this hope purified himself even as he is pure now look at the next verse now look he says whosoever committed sin transgressed also the law for sin is the transgression of the law now next verse he says and ye know that he was manifested to take away your sins and in him is what no sin let's move on he says whosoever abided in him what sineth not that word sineth not does not mean you will never sin because you are born again he's saying he, he will not make sin a practice of his life so he says whosoever sineth has not seen him neither know him listen i don't care the revelation you have or the truth you have received whether you also entered into a mountain to receive ten commandments for us whether you had an encounter you saw an angel appear to you i don't care the revelation you have if sin is consistent with your life you don't know him you have not seen him you have not experienced god I don't care the gift you have maybe you 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 are gifted to calling people's names and contact addresses you can tell them their location tell them the things on their head the things on your waist and things on their back if you are not a man that walks in holiness or a man who has made sin a practice you are fake you have not known him because anyone that has truly seen jesus experienced jesus anyone that has truly known jesus is careful about sin sin becomes sensitive to you you can imagine i i have not i have not done anything called sin. Oh, i'm supposed to wake up at 4 a.m to pray and i woke up at 4 15 i was sad that's that's how sensitive i am with god i was feeling bad i said lord i'm sorry now you say ah, this guy 4 15 just 15 minutes difference what's wrong with you I mean, I'm sorry, see 6 a.m. But that's how our sensitivity level is. That's how close we are. You see, the more closer you are with God, eh, the more difficult it is to do certain things. It, it comes naturally. The more you are deepening your work with God. That's why I say, see, you don't have a sin problem, you have a relationship with God problem. Deepen your work with God, sin will be far away from you the key to enjoying freedom in conduct is going deeper in god the more the devil is bombarding you with temptations the more deeper you are going is it that's the that's the secret i'm telling you if you have realized that a particular temptation is going on a particular bitterness a particular uh, if you realize the thing is growing stronger you can't understand go deeper in god if you have been reading your bible for one hour increase it to two hours if I've been praying for one hour, increase the prayer to three hours. Go deeper. The more the devil is attacking, throwing arrows, throwing all kinds of things to make sin appear. Go deeper. It will vanish. I, I knew this some years ago. There was a time the devil used bitterness. I had a roommate. 
This guy is a selfish roommate. He loves drinking water, but he doesn't buy water. He can drink four bags of four sachets of water in one minute and come back and come and drink another one. And I was the only one buying it. And I was also in the hostel. So you must behave well. And he did that. I, I got bitter when I see him. He, he can take food from the fridge. That is not his own, and he'll warm it. Oh, you don't know this thing. And I was bitter. And I'll be lying on the bed. I'll hear him eating the food. My food. Then I've put my head like this. I'm bitter. I, I'm telling you the truth. I was very bitter. So anytime he goes for weekend stay, I was happy. And I was, the bitterness was growing. I didn't know how to handle it. You see, some of you, when you begin experiencing some of these things, sorrow, depression, when all these things are starting to grow, you may think that giving attention to that thing will be the solution. No! Give attention more on God and the things of God. Start reading the Bible. Start fasting. Go on a fast. I went on a fast. Because those times I was fasting actually Monday to Sunday. Every day I was fasting. So I decided to intensify it. I decided to pray more. To study the Bible more. All of a sudden that thing vanished. It came again after two months. And I went deeper. And the thing vanished. A time came. As a preacher, some strong lust started hitting me. I'm sharing experiences with you. So you understand that this journey is, is a serious journey. Some strong lust. Ah, small my share. Ladies bottles. Then I'm like. Then I watch it. Then I take my back. I don't want to watch it all, but something's making me watch it. I said, Jesus, I've been fasting, I've been praying. What is going on to my life? Oh, those laughing and those who are experiencing it. I'm a free man now. I'm a free man. I want to set someone free here. Hey, then I'll be sleeping. Then things will be. Hey, Jesus. And the thing is growing. I don't know where this thing is coming from. Listen, it's an attack. As you are engaging your relationship with God, different things will hit you. And I started going deeper, deeper, deeper. It vanished. It is one of your secrets. I've gone through different stages. And I can tell you by experience and by the word of God. Any stage you get in your spiritual work with God and something begins to contradict it, go back to God. Go on a three days retreat. Because we are in war. Something is happening you don't understand. Go on a retreat. Don't tell anybody. Or just tell people so they know where you are. So in case you die, they can come for your body. You go. You are there alone with God. Sometimes you cry on God. God, I don't understand why he's behaving this way. Lord, what is going on? Then you start praying in tongues. Sometimes you don't even need prayer topic, just pray in tongues. You don't even say, Lord, I don't know why I'm beginning to envy people easily. No, just pray in tongues. Tongues speaking itself is medicine. You just be praying in tongues. You are alone in that room. You know, I'm sure some of you, when you are contemplating retreat, you go and ask the price of the place and say it's too expensive. If you don't get a cheaper one, 
save money and go because it is expensive to serve God. Ah, you don't know. They are all part of the prices you pay in serving God. I wish I had time to explain all these things I'm sharing with you. My sound is changing now. Am I helping somebody at all? Now, look at the next verse. Look, the verse 7. He says, little children, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. This is a serious matter here. Oh, aren't we righteous by faith in Jesus Christ? But now the Bible is saying that he that doeth righteousness is righteous. Even as he is righteous. So a man that says he's righteous by faith in Christ and has not practiced it, that man is a fake man. That man is a fake man. He's playing with his Christian life. Look at the next verse. Look. He says, He that committed sin is of the devil, for the devil sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Look at number nine. For whoever is born again or born of God, doeth not what makes sin a practice. For his seed remained in him, and he cannot sin because he's born of God. Number 10. Final. He says, in this, the children of God are manifest and the children of the devil. Whosoever doeth righteousness is not of God. Doeth not righteousness is not of God. Neither he that loveth not his brother. So now the Bible compares doing righteousness with loving your brother. Hey! That means, many of you think that, okay, when we talk of holiness, we are just talking about fornication. That's not true. Not loving somebody can be unholy. Love is patient. If you're not patient, you're unholy in your conduct. Love is kind. If you're unkind, you're unholy in your conduct. Love does not keep record of wrongs down to it. You know, there are Christians who can keep record of everything people do to them. They remember the date, the time, and the venue. That Christian is a Christian that will never grow. He will never know Jesus. They keep grudges. That's an unholy practice. Now, if you find a so-called believer living constantly in sin and feels nothing wrong with it, it means four things. If you find a so-called Christian living constantly in sin and feels nothing wrong with it, it means four things. You can write it down. Number one, he has been bewitched with false doctrine. He has been bewitched with false doctrine. I heard someone teach that because of the grace of God, what Christ has done, sin does not matter again. You can do what you want, it's okay. And I heard one person say, fornication is not a sin. If an innocent believer who is not strong in the faith hears this statement from you, the one that says knows the scriptures, you have destroyed that believer completely. I know what false doctrine can do to a man's life. So if you find a so-called believer who lives constantly in sin and feels nothing wrong with it, it means number one, what? 
he has been bewitched with what false doctrine number two he is not truly born again he is not truly born again number three quickly he has deliberately given in to his flesh and ignoring the warnings of the Holy Spirit he has deliberately given in to his flesh ignoring the promptings of the Holy Spirit and number four he is a carnal believer who is looking for more trouble for his life Let's finish this thing quickly. Are you here? You here? Alright, so let's move on. Number four. Holiness is important because it is the will of God for our lives. It is important because it is the will of God. Anytime you are walking in holiness, you are doing God's will. First Thessalonians chapter 4, the verse 1 to 8. It is the will of God. Now look, he says, furthermore, come to the verse 2 because of the length he says for ye know what commandments we gave you by the Lord Jesus Christ now you need to understand that though we are not under the law of Moses in the New Testament there are still New Testament laws and commandments that needs to be obeyed for example pray without ceasing is a, is a command in everything give thanks to God it is a command if a believer does not give thanks to God he's sinning because he's disobeying God's commandment. If a believer does not pray or make prayer his lifestyle, that believer is sinning. So there are New Testament commands, and this is one of them. He says, For ye know what commandments we gave you by who? Not by Moses, but by who? The Lord Jesus. Look at the next verse. He says, For this is the will of God. What's that way? Yo? your sanctification or your holiness in practice or conduct and what is that that you should what abstain from fornication and many don't know that when you abstain from fornication you are doing the will of God I'm sure somebody, somebody is fasting here Lord, Lord show me your will sanctification sorry fasting is over go and live a sanctified life that's the will of God if you live a sanctified life you are in God's will you are doing the will of God I'm teaching good here now look what he asked to it <laughs> give that to me in NLT so they understand this whole thing when you're reading your Bible have different versions look he says that each of you will what control his own body and live in what holiness and honor that means every christian can control his body listen if you are spiritually healthy it is easier to control yourself so the fact that the bible is saying you can control yourself does not mean that you can just control yourself no if you have been watching a lot of sexy horror movies you can't control yourself because you have programmed the structure of your soul to respond to those kind of movies oh the whole place is quiet because they want me to move to the next one so uh, is it that it's working or you are angry so the size and the nature of your face does not move me well come on let me target
I'm teaching with you. That each one of you should control his own body. Control that body. You can't do what you want with that body. I'm telling you. Because that body was purchased at the price. Expensive price. The blood of Jesus. So never again say that I feel. No, it's not about how you feel. It's about God. what God's word teaches. Look. He says, and live in holiness and honor. Now look at the next verse. He says, not in the last of concupiscence, even as the Gentiles which know not God. That means when a believer lives a life that is not self-controlled, he says he's behaving as equal as the unbeliever. That's a disgrace. That someone can look at an, unbel- at an unbeliever and, and look at you and wonder whether you are one of them. That's a disgrace. You, you have destroyed God's name. God's name. Look at the next verse. He says that no man go beyond and defraud his brother in any matter because that the Lord is the avenger of all such as we also have forewarned you and testified. Next verse. He says for God has not what called us into uncleanness but unto holiness. So oh my goodness. My goodness. Final verse. He that therefore despises, despiseth not man. Look, he says, anybody that disobeys what I just quoted to you is someone who has despised God. Who has given you the Holy Spirit. and all the guy knows in the relationship is sleeping with you oh look into my eyes anytime you meet you don't even have a conversation he does not want to know you he does not want to have a personal relationship with you anytime he meets you it's about sex you are not in a relationship listen to my my voice you are not in a relationship somebody is taking advantage of you He, does, he has never even asked you your full name. Oh, you don't know this thing. He doesn't know your mother. Your, he has never spoken about anything about marriage. And you say you are in love. Hey! Love! Oh no, this generation don't know love anymore. <laughs> we don't know love again. don't know love again do you know some many years ago a Christian brother and a Christian sister can be in the same room fasting and praying and nothing will happen years ago on campus we went for a mission work in Ketekrachi and they arranged us two by two so we were four actually in a room two girls two boys You don't get this thing. And for my group, one of the girls was an half caste girl. 
black American. I mean, this girl is so pretty. And she was in my department. <laughs> you don't know this thing. We stayed together for two weeks. Listen, listen, if you are praying, studying the scriptures and all these things you are doing, you are doing it for your future. Because I tell you, God will not entrust Matt into your hands if God cannot trust you. There are some of you, God cannot take you to South Africa. If he tries taking you to South Africa, you come back with your dead body. Because you, you entertain all kinds of body shapes and sizes. This man you are seeing has been cooked in the Holy Ghost. Yet depends on the Holy Ghost. I've always been telling you I have never trusted myself as a man of God. So if you remember here, don't trust yourself because oh pastor and trust in him. <laughs> I am extremely careful with the opposite sex. I'm telling you this. Extremely! I do it with fear and honor to God. And we need to understand this thing that all these things that we are doing, God is watching and God is saying, Can I trust you? Can I trust you with innocent ladies? Can I trust you with ladies who are going through addictions and they can't share with anybody? Can I trust you with prostitutes who will come to you and tell you that they are prostitutes? Can I trust you? And God is asking you that same question. Can I trust you in that house? Can I trust you? There was one member in one church and the pastor asked him to help this lady get a place to stay. And he got a place in their house, in the next room. And he paid for the lady. And he says because he paid, every morning he comes to sleep with her. Every morning he comes to sleep with this lady. And one day the lady could not bear it again. And came to inform the pastor about it. I'm like, how do people get so wicked like this? You do someone a favor, you take advantage of her, and you are a Christian. Who is going to give an account to Jesus? Why are many Christians so wicked nowadays? You have to, you have to, you have to help people by taking something from them. Please, don't grow up into a managerial position to do this. You are an unreasonable, wicked believer. I'm telling you. What happened to those days when we can help people innocently without getting anything in return? Where you can pay someone a, a beautiful lady's school fees. And she can call you daddy and entrust you. We don't care this thing anymore. God is looking for men he can trust in the office. Men he can trust. Can he trust you? That's the question. Can he trust you? Young man, can he trust you? And what you are doing now is an investment. I'm telling you. You are building something for your future. As you keep watching those negative movies, those sex movies, those sex videos, 
you are building your future. That's your future. Anytime you're doing that, anytime you're watching that video, it's your future you must see inside. It's an investment you are making and you are building it gradually. I saw a verse that really struck me. Galatians chapter 6, verse 6. That every action of the believer is a seed. You are sowing it every single day. Look, come to the verse 7. He says, For do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he reap. Now, this is New Testament. Now, look at the next verse, the verse 8. He says, For he that soweth to his flesh. So you have, you have an opportunity to, to, do, to sow two things. You can either sow to your flesh or you can sow to the spirit. Look, he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap what? Anytime you make investment, the word sow means investment. Every action you are doing today, every action you are taking today is a seed. It's an investment. You have been lying for the past six years. You are making a heavy investment. People will mock you because you want to live righteously. Wait for those who are mocking you. Let them give you three days. <laughs> Let them give you three years. Let them give you six years. They will notice the difference. All the people that make mockery of us. Sometimes I'll be fasting. People will be saying, look at how you are looking. Look at how you are looking. Look at how I'm looking. Uh-uh. I know what I found in that place. And I'll keep looking like this until I see glory. I won't stop fasting. I won't stop praying. I won't stop living for Jesus Christ. Watch me. I'm telling you. The people who are mocking you for praying. Mocking you for living a holy life. Just give time. They will see it. They will see it. Every life is an investment. But he that soweth to the spirit. Shall of the spirit reap life everlasting. Beloved, holiness is a big deal. Without which the believer can never have a real experience with God. It is the will of God for you to live a holy life. Now, number five. The fifth reason for holiness. Without holiness, we will be powerless before the devil and he will ridicule our knowledge and prayer. Let me repeat that again. Without it or without holiness, we will be powerless before the devil and he will ridicule our knowledge and prayer. I saw a demon slap a pastor literally. When the pastor was casting him out and the demon chased the pastor and the pastor was running it was on facebook and i knew there was something wrong a man of god was doing a deliverance session um, for one member of the church and that spirit manifested and said now you that don't take care of your wife and you have been cheating on your wife are you the one coming to cast me out and the pastor had passed one you know pastor anointing the crowd was meaning he passed through and he vanished listen holiness is i'm going to come there soon but it is a great weapon we don't know this do you know what jesus said in john chapter 14 the verse 30 he says the prince of this world will come so see the devil will come to you whether you like it or not he came to jesus you are no match he says what so no the verse 30 30 Look, hereafter I will not talk much with you for the prince of this world cometh. So whether you like it or not, the prince of it, he will come to you. He says, and has what? Nothing in me. Another verse says, has no hold on me. 
if the devil has a hold on you and there's something about him that you are keeping around you you are giving him an advantage your prayer will be powerless he will mock your knowledge there are people today who have knowledge but they don't have quality relationship with jesus christ he will mock you today the devil is mocking many preachers who are preaching because the man has corrupted himself and holding a microphone He has just messed up with the lady in his office and he's holding the microphone and preaching on this holy altar. And he's preaching. The devil is mocking you. People will fall under the anointing because you may still be anointed, but that's a familiar spirit you're operating with. Quickly, number six. Holiness is necessary because it is in winning the war of holiness that we will come alive as Christians. It is in winning the war of holiness that we will come alive as Christians. Let me do it quickly and let's close. It is in winning the war of holiness that we will come alive as Christians. The work of holiness is a war. It's a war, I'm telling you. There will be no energy or weight in your Christian life without holiness. Number seven. Holiness is one of the Christian's chiefest weapons. Holiness is necessary because it is one of the Christian's chiefest weapons. If you walk in holiness, you are powerful. I'm telling you, you are, you are a weapon. The devil fears you. listen you know someone says i know who i am the devil does not regard those who know who they are he regards those who know who they are and practice it you know my teaching may not be um appealing as what you want to hear but you see none of you pays me none of you gives me money for survival and I'm a two, I'm a servant of God. I stand before him to stand before you. So I don't fear any of you. Uh, okay, then let's. So I, I preach as God leads me. If you see me emphasizing on something, I have prayed hours and God says, Teach this. There are people in this meeting that need this message. There are people in this meeting that will be changed, that will have addictions broken in their lives when they hear this teaching. And I know God is speaking to someone here. I know. Because I prayed. You know the Bible says the righteous are as what? Bold as a lion. Anytime you're reading the book of Proverbs or Psalms and you see the word righteous. The word righteous man in context means one. You can write it down. It means one who has received righteousness and practices it. So the Bible says, I've never seen the righteous forsaken. It is not just righteousness by faith the Bible is talking about. Those who have received righteousness and what? Practice it. So when the Bible says the righteous are as bold as a lion, he's talking about those who have received the gift of righteousness and, and practice it. They are the people who be bold. Because you lose a certain level of confidence if there is something not going on right. You lose some confidence.
number eight holiness is necessary because it is the evidence that we have truly been disciplined and raised and trained by the lord this is a very powerful statement holiness is important because it is the evidence that we have truly been disciplined raised and trained by the lord i can spend the whole day on this particular thing i'm teaching hebrews chapter 12 the verse 5 anyone who is not disciplined by the lord is seen as a spiritual bastard this teaching i'm giving to you is a discipline from the lord there are some of you that's coming to you as cane there are some of you is coming to you as mango some of you apple so everyone that is hearing this teaching is having this teaching differently that is okay you must be careful when you're hearing a teaching because that teaching will mean to someone else something different from you. So take what God has, is giving you and you will know what God is saying to your heart. You will know it. So the reason for holiness is that is the evidence that we have been trained and disciplined by God. When you, know, when you meet a Christian who has been disciplined by the Holy Spirit, you, meet, you will know that Christian, I'm telling you. You will know that Christian. Can we push it? Write this down on another point. God's fatherhood is not always exciting. I need you to make you understand something about grace. You know, some of us, you see, some of the preachers have taken this message of grace to the extreme. And anything you take to the extreme soon becomes an error. God's fatherhood is not always exciting. Listen carefully. Because people have the notion that God is love. But listen, God's love is sometimes tough. Oh, you don't know this thing. God's love is sometimes tough. God will sometimes give you instructions and sometimes you will love it. There was a time for a whole six months the Holy Ghost told me not to watch a movie. And I felt like watching movies, but I am under instructions. That's a man who is under discipline. The Holy Ghost told me, come to church at least by 2.30 a.m. on Sunday and pray till you hold the microphone to preach. That's not funny. Those times I sold my car as a seat, so I didn't have a car. I have to arrange with an Uber rider who has to come and wait at the gate every 2 a.m. to bring me to church. I pay him to obey God. This year, we began the year, the Lord says, any church you go to, anyone that gives you honorarium, don't take it. The whole of the year, you will never take an honorarium. I said, God, how do I survive? Because I'm not paid here. How do I survive as a man of God? Oh, I didn't understand. Recently, I got to know that God was training me because he said, many of his servants have disappointed him because money has corrupted your heart. And I'm sending you in the midst of these people. I must train you. Do you know what it means for you to preach with all your heart, with all your belly and raise funds and say bye-bye to the church? You don't know this thing. Somebody will say, this man of God is a fool. They have given him 5,000 Ghana cities honorarium and he said, no, he is a fool. No, 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 no. Watch me. It is the disciplines of the Lord. Some of you in this discipline, the reason why God is doing it is so, is so that you will not be untouched. You will be untouched by the world. 
He's doing it so that your life will not become a contradiction to the world. The world will be confused about your life. There are times your salary will come, the Lord will say, divide it into two. Today I was preparing my time, the Lord says, add a double and make it double. I said, Lord, double for trouble. So I pretend I've not heard the voice and I was putting, so I increased it just a bit and I put it in the envelope and he said, double. And I removed it and put it in the envelope. You know what is God, God is doing to me? He's disciplining me. So now, nobody can give me $10,000 and buy me. I can live without money because now he has trained me. Now money has no hold on me. It was out of this training. Last year when I gave out my car and the car was going, something left my heart. Since that day, car never means anything to me again. By the grace of God, last week somebody bought a car for me. Now that car, when I see it, as though I, I'm like, the day if God says I should give this car out again, I will give it a thousand times. I am telling you. You know why? Because he has trained and worked my heart. Some of you have disobeyed all your, the classroom that you are supposed to have run away from the class. He tells you on Tuesdays fast. On Tuesdays, that's when you buy watching. And all these things is part of the training for holiness. And you'll be shocked. As a man of God, all these disciplines, how does it contribute to holiness? You think I got where I am because I just love God? No, 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 no. Look at the verse 5. He says, And ye have forgotten the exhortation we speak unto you as children. My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord. That means a Christian can despise it. There are some of you who will tell you when you go home, go and read this scripture. It is part of the chastening. When you go home, you go and close your diary, you put it down. You are escaping class. He says, neither faint when thou art rebuked of him. Has the Holy Ghost ever rebuked you before? You don't know this thing. If you've not gotten to a place where God gives you instructions, where God rebukes you, this rebuke will not come as a word, but you feel something inside you like a rebuke. If you're a Christian, you have not experienced that you're not growing. We have one lady here who said she was about to insult the sister. All of a sudden, she started speaking in tongues. And she stopped. That is somebody the Holy Ghost has started working on. You become sensitive. You say something you're not supposed to say. Then you say sorry to the person. It is part of the instructions. Some of you are hardening your heart. If I say sorry, it will be as though he has won. He has won. Listen, when you're working with God, let others win. As long as you are obeying God's instructions, let others win. If the Holy Ghost says, say that sorry. Say that sorry, yo. Say that sorry. And advance in your class in the Holy Ghost. Look at the next verse. He says that for whom the Lord loveth, he chastiseth. So that means love chastises. So the love of God is not that, son, don't worry. No matter what you do, I still love you. I got your back, boy. I got your back. I'm still with you. You are in the mass. I'm in the mass with you, boy. You are there, yeah, boy. God, glory, yeah. It's not always like that. He says, for whom the Lord loveth, he chastiseth. He disciplines. Listen, when we're children, if we were living the way we were living without discipline from our parents, I'm telling you, we would have been a mess today. My mother would tell us to go and sleep by 8 o'clock. We said, ah, this woman does not love us. Because our, our classmates, when they come the next day, they have been telling us the movies they have been watching at 10 p.m. So we thought mama does not love us. But now we understood that that discipline was working something within. Look at the next verse. 
He says, and scourge every son whom he receives. The verse 7. He says, for if you what? Endure. What do we do to the discipline of the Lord? We endure. <laughs> we endure. God dealeth with you as with what? Sons. For what son is he whom the Lord, whom the Father chastiseth not? There is no child. In other words, there's no child of God that God does not chastise. Next verse. He says, But if ye be without chastisement, whereof all I all are partakers, then ye are what? Bastards and not sons. God will tell you, don't go to his house again. You'll be there tomorrow morning. Delete his number. That's when you add the second number. <laughs> Next verse, look at that. He says, furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh which corrected us and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection to the father of spirits and live? That means your survival is in God's discipline. He says, shall we not rather be in subjection unto the father of spirits and what? And live, survive. Next verse. Look, he says, for verily they, for a few days, chastised or chastened us after their what? Their own pleasure. Is there anybody here, those times when you're great, your father just beat you because he just wanted to beat you. Your father's like that. You won't watch it. The Bible says some of them chastened us after their own pleasure. But he, for our word. So every chastening of God is for your profit. He says, <laughs> that we might be what? Can we say that together? We might be what? Partakers of his holiness. You want to share in God's life? You want to share in God's character? He's saying that submit to his chastisement. This teaching is God's chastisement. Sometimes God will give you dreams. You know, this week I was getting a little lukewarm in prayer because I have prayed a lot. I, I have prayed. I'm telling you, during the 40 days, it was, ah, my goodness, it, it was prayer. Two, three days, I was just doing some one hour, two hours to just check my smoothness level. By Thursday, I had a dream. In a dream, I was driving a car. When I put the handbrake, the handbrake broke and the car ate free. Like I said, my spiritual life ate free. <laughs> Last year, the same thing. When I came back, I was watching Netflix with conflicts. <laughs> and I had a dream. I was preaching. And I'm no man. And yeah, now they go my Bible. They say, hey, who you so for now? No man, no. And you go Bible, so I'm not so for and I went back into fasting. I had a dream my handbrake has been removed. <laughs> After the fasting, I won't go again for the next two months. But I had to go back into prayer. I had to increase my prayer. <laughs> so sometimes God will use some dreams to chastise you. You have a dream. No one get Hey, hey, pray pray so the Holy Ghost will use different avenues sometimes he will use one of your friends to rebuke you 
Sometimes you use your pastor. Sometimes you use your shepherd. Sometimes you use different avenues. You use a conversation that looks very unimportant. Then you say something. If you are discerning, you will know the Lord is speaking. He's rebuking you. He's chastening you for the purpose of being partakers of his holiness. You want to share in God's life. You have to be ready to subject yourself to his discipline. Look at the next verse. He says, now no chastening for the present seemeth to be what? Joyous. It is not happy. It is not good news. But grievous, nevertheless, afterward, he yielded what? The peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. Do you love this teaching at all? You know, I've been telling you, I'm, I'm not an ice cream seller, I'm a pastor. Your boss will not teach you what I'm teaching you. The woman you've been buying food from will not teach you this thing. An ice cream seller will not teach you this thing. It, it will take an anointed pastor to confront you with the word of God. If you will open up your spirit and the word of God gets into your heart, the Bible says receive with meekness the engrafted word of God. It's able to save your soul. Let me finish this thing. Number nine, quickly. The reason for holiness is that holiness is a sacrifice. Romans 2 of 1. Holiness is a sacrifice. Let's finish this thing quickly. Holiness is what? A sacrifice. He says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the message of God, that ye present your bodies, what? A living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable act of worship. So every act of holiness is something of sacrificing for God. You could have done something else. Sacrifice is foregoing something for something greater. That's sacrifice. You forego something for something greater. Anytime you choose the path of holiness, you could have done something, but you are saying that there is something better, better, which is in God. Therefore, I reject that temporal pleasure. So every act of holiness is what? A sacrifice to God. Remember, he says a living sacrifice. In the Old Testament, the sacrifice that were given were dead. They killed the animal before the blood is used. So the animal was dead. In the New Testament, you are to go on that altar and sacrifice your life. Your current life you are living must be offered to Jesus Christ. Every member of your body must be given to God. This tongue must not be used for lies anymore. These eyes must not watch anything anymore. So holiness is a consecration. Listen carefully. Holiness is a consecration. Anytime you dedicate these eyes to watch things that brings glory to God, it's holiness. Because everybody's using their eyes to do whatever they want, but these eyes are consecrated unto God. Are you following this? Number 10, quickly. Holiness is worship. Holiness is worship. <laughs> so, someone says, man of God, so what about singing? Singing is just one aspect of worship. In fact, one of the smallest aspects of worship, singing. The greatest act of worship is living in holiness. Because at that time, it's not only your lips that is going to God. It's your whole being. Your whole life goes to God. Are we following this thing? The Bible says it's a reasonable act of service. Amplify says worship. Number 11. Number, yes, 11. Quickly. Holiness is a requirement for being an effective and fruitful disciple 
of Jesus Christ. Second Timothy chapter 2, the verse 20 to 22. I'm concluding now. Second Timothy chapter 2, the verse 20 to 22. Holiness is a requirement for being an effective and fruitful disciple. Listen, if you want to make yourself ready for God's use, you can never take away holiness. He says, but in a great house, they are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of what wood and of earth, some to honor, some to dishonor. Next verse. He says, if a man therefore purchased himself from these, he shall be what? A vessel of honor. So there is purging. It's a requirement. Purging. It's a requirement. Sanctified and meet for the master's use and prepared for every good work. You become an instrument that the Lord can use for his work. God knows that you mess up with his ministry. You mess up with the work that he's given to you. Hallelujah. Are you okay? Last but not the least, holiness is, a is necessary because it is for God's glory. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31. Anytime you walk in holiness, you are bringing glory to God. This is good. How many here want to bring glory to Jesus? The secret is in holiness. Look, he says, whether we eat or drink, whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. So holiness is to God's glory. So a man that truly cares about God's glory is a man that will care about holiness. All right, quickly, let's go to number 13. Holiness is necessary because God will judge our holy walk and our work. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, the verse 9 and 10. Holiness is necessary because God will judge our holy walk and our work. Please, when you go home, make sure you go through these notes prayerfully and ask God to help you as we finish. He says, Wherefore we labor that we present, that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of Him. Now, you realize in Ephesians chapter 1, the verse 4, the Bible says that we have been accepted in the beloved. So we are already accepted. But the Bible is telling us also here that wherefore we labor so this one is not a finished work it's something we labor to experience that whether present or absent we may be accepted of him next verse for we must all we believers must all appear before what the judgment seat of Christ that everyone may receive what the things done in his day according to that which he has done whether it be good or bad amazing whatever you do with this body will be judged you, you, you will face Jesus Christ the bema seat that's why it's necessary finally it is one source of joy and the key to open heavens and grace it is one source of joy and key to open heavens and grace Psalm 84, the verse 11. Holiness is necessary because it is one source of joy. Anytime you walk in holiness, there is a certain joy that comes to you. Not only that, you experience open heavens. Amazing, Lord, help us. Look, he says, For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. Let's read the next one. One, two, go. 
no good thing i'm not hearing you want to go one more time let's go one to go no good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly he won't withhold any good thing from you you experience open heavens grace and glory so what you need to understand as we close is that God is a good father and whether you live in a mess or not there are things God will still do in your life but the truth of the matter is that God can do much with you and in you when you don't submit to his work and character you got that lift your hands father I commit these people before you in these last days when it's so difficult to become a Christian marriage is gone on rampage pastors messing up when they're supposed to be examples the clergy's quiet because they are so relaxed and comfortable where leaders have gone wayward and gone astray from you it is in this moment that we cry to you asking you the Lord you bombard our hearts and flood it with the revelation knowledge of your son Jesus and that you fill us with the knowledge of your will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding that we will walk worthy of you unto all pleasing oh. and that will bear fruits unto you in every good work I pray the Lord you sanctify your people by your word I know father it's sometimes so difficult living for you and you have said that without you we can do nothing and therefore on account of your word we come to you asking you for help that you will work in us both to will and to do of your, your good pleasure and that father you will empower us to live and walk and talk the Christian life rain down glory over our lives let our walk with you be deeper deeper far beyond the reach of hell and that your counselor don't will stand on our lives lord it's not actually money we want it's you what is money without a living relationship with jesus what are cars and houses without a living active relationship with you for that matter lord our hearts are emptied for your fullness let there be an outpour in our lives give us burdens 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 lord and let us follow after you we thank you father and we give you praise in jesus name amen